Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Rock Squad podcast, the latest in everything rock music. My name is Nick Chino. I'm one of your hosts of this fine program, joined by my co-host, Mr. Dave Marini. How's it going, Dave? Hey, Nick, how's it going? Hey, everybody, before we get going, make sure that you like this video and you subscribe to this podcast. Hit the little bell so that every time we uh, put up a new video, it comes up and you can follow along. And also at the end, make sure you write a review so that we know how you liked it or what you didn't like or, you know, any of that, any comments, happy to hear what you have to say. So this is the uh, the inaugural episode of the Rock Squad podcast. And uh, Dave and I have been uh, musicians and uh, and band members together for many years and friends for a long time. And we, we always wanted to start up a podcast about about rock music and kind of more of a kind of a mainstream kind of uh, discussion because, you know, there's a lot of metal, there's a lot of punk out there and we love those things. And we're going to talk about them on the show, but we wanted to do a, a podcast for all those mainstream rock fans out there who just love everything rock and kind of dabble in everything. And, uh, you know, we kind of already have these discussions anyways, Dave, when, when we're hanging Absolutely. out, we, this is how we, this is how we talk. This is, this is all we talk about when we get together. Like what, what records coming out, who produced what, who, who's getting screwed over, who's not getting <laughs> enough love, who's getting yeah. too much love. That's a, that'll be a big topic on here. Who's getting too much attention in the world of rock and roll, you know? Right, for sure. So this is just kind of an extension of what we do already. And we, uh, we're glad that you guys are joining us here on the, on the inaugural episode of this podcast. We're very excited. We've been talking about it forever and now it's, it's finally happening. This is fantastic. It's here. We're together. <laughs> I, we haven't seen each other in like almost six months. I know. We've probably, known each other. Probably we've, we've, we've known each other since we were what, 12, 13 years old. And this is the first time, time we've been apart, man. It's horrible. It's horrible. Just the distance, the, the lack of creativity, and uh, the fact that we have to stoop to these levels is unbelievable that it's a year later and we're, we're talking over Zoom. I know, but we're making it happen. So uh, let's let's give the folks a rundown of the um, of kind of the the, the 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 overall structure of this of this podcast. We're going to kick things off with what we call the opening acts, which are three uh, of the of the latest topics in rock music news, and then we're going to get to what we call the headliner, which is going to be the main discussion that we have uh, coming up. We're going to be talking about Chevelle, who've released nine studio albums, saying they haven't made any money from the sale of six million units uh, over their their long career so that'll be coming up in the uh, in the headliner on today's show but first we're going to get to a story uh dave these things these these nfts have you heard about these nfts it's all the rage right now in in rock and in, 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 in general crazy yeah it's crypto crazy right now in the world man. crypto crazy so this uh this guy the tiktok star his name name is i hope i get this right nathan apodaca uh he's he got, he got famous for skateboarding while drinking ocean spray on TikTok to the tune of Fleetwood Mac's Dreams. Uh, and he's joining this NFT craze by selling his uh, his latest video, or I guess maybe selling that original video for $500,000. That's his intention. But Stevie Nicks, of course, of Fleetwood Mac has blocked the use of this uh, of this song in the NFT. And I, you know, I can't really blame her, but you know, we've been reading about NFT. Like, I didn't even know what it was. I don't think I still know what it is. Uh, these well, there's NFTs, two, there's two but, things. You know. Do you, do, do you want to start with what what um Fleetwood Mac and uh and she should do about it yeah or, sure yeah, yeah. Oh, okay so what we can actually I think that it's it's great that this this is happening and there's a there's a few things that are confusing about it because it is a new thing and people aren't really sure how to how to handle it but pretty much like an NFT is a non-fungible token 
which means that it's a limited quantity of something. That's all it is. So, you know, it gives opportunities to make one-offs of, of pieces of art or, you know, there's a million things you can do with it. How creative you get is kind of the fun of it because it's endless on what you can create. But for their situation in particular, I, I think that she shouldn't be so hung up on the fact that they're using the song. And I think that she should actually try to make the deal with the guy and get a cut of the NFT because if he's going to sell this token for a, a pretty a pretty penny, I don't know how much he was trying to sell it for, but 500, it's probably 500 million. grand. Yeah. 500 so, grand. Yeah. Well, I think that it's probably been a while since uh, that band and Stevie Nicks has seen 500 grand come in their way from music sales, to be honest. Right. Yeah, it's true. So I think that she should and they should um, talk to this guy and get in on this deal because absolutely they should be paid because it's their song. But there's a, there's a uh, you know, you don't want to grandpa into this situation. You want to kind of open it, uh, approach it with open arms and try to make the most out of it. I, that's, uh, that's my opinion. And that's, I'm hoping that if I, I was in a position, you know, obviously they don't need the money, but when something is culturally relevant, that's kind of what you're aiming for the entire time anyways. So if you actually hit something that is culturally relevant without trying, Jump on that wagon, man. Get and, and don't be a dick about it either. The guy made the video. Don't take half. Right. You know, don't take half. Don't be an ass. We understand it's the song, but like, you know, get get a, get a hundred grand out of the five hundred or something. But it's true. Don't make yeah. the guy go broke. Let the guy have his fifteen minutes. You don't need the money. So you know, that's that's what I think about it. Now yeah. NFTs in in particular. There's there's a few things. Hold on. What what do you think of that? What do you think of well, what they should do? The thing. Well, Mick Fleetwood did uh, his own take of the of the video back. I think it was some point last year, which was kind of their way, I guess, of acknowledging you know the popularity of the video. And yeah. the the thing about these NFTs is that I'm not really sure you know, what the value is. And I understand, I understand the logic of it. And I understand why people think that it might be a good investment, but it seems a little bit. Uh, it just seems a little bit kind of, uh, I don't, I'm trying to, I can't even find the it's word. A, it sounds it doesn't a little seem sketchy. solid. It is yeah. a little bit sketchy. It seems a little bit, yeah. uh, it doesn't seem as solid as, uh, as people would believe it is. And so yeah. I'm wondering if this guy, I think half of the, the appeal of his original TikTok video is the fact that he did use that Fleetwood Mac song. So, sure, sure. uh, I can understand that maybe the video maybe doesn't even have as much value without the song. So, but I, I agree, you know, maybe if Fleetwood Mac was a little bit more savvy to what, you know, what, you know, so there's so many artists like Bob Dylan sure, sure. And, and people like that who are selling their catalogs, if they really kind of want to cash in on that at this point in their career, they can still do that. But I don't know what well, the, uh, the way to look at it really is the, the way to look at it really is that the people have figured out a way to, um, you know, make, <laughs> make a, uh, what, a one of a kind situation uh, based on intellectual property. So it's like anytime you have intellectual property now, you could technically, anytime you have an idea, you could capture that idea and sell that idea. That's pretty much all that's happening. But, and I get what you're saying. It is, it is a very sketchy, murky water right now in, in a system that hasn't really been fully developed. But there are a few things that I really like about NFTs. And the first one is um, Ticketmaster for years has been double dipping on selling tickets. So, um, what, what they, what, how Ticketmaster works, I'm sure everybody's aware that when you buy tickets, you get charged a service fee. But what a lot of people don't know is that Ticketmaster will hold or sell faults of tick, bulk number of tickets to scalpers. 
and then they let them resell them on their on a, a on a platform that is actually owned by Ticketmaster. So Ticketmaster is selling the ticket to the scalper and making a percentage, and then making a percentage on the resale value of the ticket on their own platform. So all that's doing is fucking over fans and and screwing over bands because bands are selling a ticket at twenty dollars, and really the promoter is making sixty, seventy, eighty, ninety whatever, $200, $500 off of this ticket. And none of that money is going back to the person that's performing or creating the art they're supposed to be paying. So what NFTs can do is because it's a more sanctioned and because it follows, I think it's the blockchain method of crypto, um, it's more regulated. So that can't happen because there's a transparency in crypto with blockchain. So if that's the case, then that stops. And to me, as a musician, uh, I think that's fantastic because for years everybody's been taking taking what they can, and this kind of narrows it down. And I agree, like you know, memes and silly TikTok videos. I don't know what the value of those are, but for things like ticketing and Ticketmaster and trying to get take the power back as musicians, I think that it's a it, it's a win win if if it keeps progressing the way it's progressing. Right, and we know the Kings of Leon recently just did uh, some NFT stuff with their new album. When you see yourself, so it yeah. uh, it definitely is something that musicians are dabbling in. I was actually reading the other day that Rain Maida of OLP of Our Lady Peace is really yeah. into the uh, into the NFT thing. And he's been uh, kind of pioneering a lot of things with that as well, kind of in the music sphere. So we'll, we'll see how it goes. It feels still kind of nebulous to me. That's the word I was looking for, nebulous. It's a fancy nebulous, yeah. uh, nebulous. But, you know, we'll see how it goes and we'll see if more musicians kind of get into that. I, I do agree that you know, especially with in terms of artwork, maybe not so much music, but in terms of pieces of art that uh, a lot of sure. artists have been using that to mint their, you know, using. Check out this lingo, mint this uh, this NFT. I'm, I can't believe I'm saying these words that I didn't even know existed before. But 2021, uh, bro. 2021. That's all I can't. I can't believe it. I'm too old for this shit. Um, <laughs> speaking of too old for this uh, for this shit, you know, maybe I'm too old for for Greta Van Fleet. And I know I, I've been knocking them a long time because I think they're kind of, of a blatant Led Zeppelin ripoff, but they've released this new song called Broken Bells. And uh, for the first time, critics online are saying that it actually, it might not be 100% totally annoying. So I'm, I'm wondering if you've heard this song, can, can Greta Van Fleet shake off this reputation of sounding like Led Zeppelin? Because I do like this song, but I still can't help get, I can't get over the the whole Led Zeppelin thing. It's a it's a big hurdle for me. Yeah, I uh, you know I'm I'm not necessarily a fan of the of the product that that band is putting out or that label's putting out with with doing what they're doing with them. It to me it seems very built and very manufactured. It just from the get go, you know, you get twenty one year old boys that are wearing you know bell bottoms from their grandparents' closet. It, it just seems it seems very put together, but not in a not in a good way, you know. And that's not to rip on. I'm they're good players, I'm sure. Like uh, I've heard good things about their live show, and I'm sure they're you know they're great guys. But as for the packaging of the band, you know, and and they've moved on now too. It's not even that they sound like a Led Zeppelin ripoff. It's just like they they sound like a '70s cover band. So like you know, if, if, whether it's going to sound like Rush or it's going to sound like Zeppelin. Right. It's going to sound like a B-side from whatever whatever era of rock they want to jump in. And uh, there's something to be said about that. And I'm personally someone who thinks 
a great song is a great song. So if they can wow me with a great song, then I'm more than happy to welcome them into the universe of rock. <laughs> but uh, but and up until this point, it seems kind of hacky and kind of tacky, and I'm uh, it's yeah. not not it's not a not a win for me. It does seem a little bit insincere. And the song, the, the new song, Broken Bells, it's not bad. And it's, well, again, you know, it, it always has to come with the disclaimer is that we realize that these guys know how to play and that they're a good band. Sure. But even with this new song, by the end of it, I'm like, okay, well, it sounds a little bit like Stairway to Heaven. And <laughs> it's kind of hard right. for them, or at least for me to shake that. And I think one of the things that I read online that I found that was interesting was that people were saying that Greta Van Fleet kind of appeals to rock fans uh, who might, to me, they feel like they appeal to rock fans who feel like rock is dead and that rock is only good if it has that classic rock sound to it. And I think, you know, because it being 2021, that rock music has expanded in so many Big different time. directions. And there is a place for classic rock influenced uh, bands because they're all over the place. And there are good examples of that. You know, I think Rival Sons is a good example of that. Uh, I think there's lots of good bands that are in that realm of rock music uh, that do it in a more original way. And it's hard for, for me to get into Greta Van Fleet because they're, uh, I call it uh, more like imitation rather than inspiration, right? They're, Absolutely. They're, they're, they're not just taking a cue from Led Zeppelin. They're just, they're literally just kind of aping Led Zeppelin. And so that's, I'm, I'm hoping to get over it when it comes to this. They have a new album coming out called the, uh, the battle at garden gate, which is coming out in April. Uh, so I am hoping that there's something in there that I'm going to dig, but they still haven't convinced me. And I know that's going to make a lot of people upset because <laughs> I think a yeah, lot of people yeah. see them as like the second coming of, uh, of, you know, Led Zeppelin or the second coming of great kind of classic rock. But I think you have to just maybe expand your search a little bit further and you'll see there's a lot of great bands that are doing great things and it's not just them. And uh, yeah, I, I'm going to give them, I'm going to keep giving them another shot, but we'll see. I, I think too, like we have to take into consideration why this has happened. Like it, like you said, like it does seem like it's it's a rock and roll for the people that think rock is dead. And the reason for that is is that's exactly what's happening. You're having a lot of headlining bands in uh, North America and in England that are reaching their you know their maturity, and they're not going to be headlining festivals every year anymore. And, and the agents and the executives at the, at the labels know that that's a cash cow for them. And if it goes away, uh, you know, they don't have anybody to fill the void. You know, the Stones are still, still touring. Bands don't last that long. That's just the way it goes. Only 2% will last more than 10 years, you know, so, yeah, or less, you know. So it's, it's one of those things. And you're dealing with older, older guys in charge that are worried about the bottom line. And they're taking bands that fit kind of in a in a spectrum and then really molding them to be that next generation of festival band or uh or headliner at most most festivals for for uh touring bands and stuff but uh yeah like there's band, there's other bands that fall into that like cage the elephant is another band that falls right. into that but i right. i i'm not a huge cage the elephant fan but i enjoy cage the elephant songs so they they've won me over greta van fleet i don't know <laughs> yeah, the, 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 I would say the jury is still out, and um, yeah, their new album comes out in April, and we'll, we'll you know we'll, we'll take a listen, we'll see how it goes. Um, but even with this new song that a lot of critics are saying is you know is the is 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 great, it is great. It's it, you know it's you can't knock the the production value and the performances, but it's still 
still a little bit yeah. meh for me, but <laughs> agreed. All right. Agreed. So we're on the same boat. We're in the same boat about Greta Van Fleet. So let's move on to the third and final uh, opening act of this episode. And this one is, is a, in, you know, kind of similar to the, um, to the NFT conversation is a little bit more industry based about, about Spotify, everybody's favorite streaming service. I know I'm a Spotify subscriber. That's not, I'm not saying we're, we're no, in no way sponsored by Spotify, but uh, I am a I am a subscriber. I do enjoy them, um, and you know, obviously, a lot of people are critical of the way that they um, they collect royalties, or they seem to collect royalties and distribute them among artists. They don't uh, seem to be very generous in that regard. Uh, so, Spotify has launched a new campaign. It's called Loud and Clear, uh, and this is their way of kind of becoming a little bit more transparent about their uh, their streaming platform uh, and how they operate. But do, I, I was just going to th- you know ask you, Dave, is this is this business model that they have going right now, is this going to work even if they are transparent? Okay. It's still clear that musicians and artists are not making enough money from the Spotify platform, even though that is the, the leading platform for people to listen to music. Do you think that this business model is going to work for musicians now that we're in a post COVID-19 age where people can't tour musicians, can't get on the road, people behind the scenes. Uh, I, I don't think it's enough, even with this, this new campaign. There's a lot, there's a lot, there's a lot, there's a lot in Spotify. Like, um, I, I don't, I don't believe that the business model they they currently run is going to last. Um, whether or not Spotify goes away or is bought up by someone else with a lot of money, like an Amazon or, which I think is probably what is going to happen. Um, but you know, when, when you get a million streams and they give you $4,000, and they tell you that they can't give you more than 0.0036 or 0.004 per stream. It's really fishy. And the problem is, the problem why they can't pay, pay it is because Spotify is so easily manipulated. Spotify is a very easy system to manipulate. So there's no real way to keep track of true numbers in Spotify. And this goes on at every level of music. There's manipulation on every level of promotion on that platform. Uh, So much so that they actually have different pay rates for what they consider to be um, premium streams and mm, I'm not sure streams. And the fact that that's even a conversation that there's different rates going around for for the, uh, you know, the realism of the of the actual it, it's bonkers in a business sense because you're like what do you mean it's a stream it's a stream but they're aware that there's there's so much manipulation going on that they can't uh, they can't do it like that so th- they cut it down to paid streams to paid streams and um, if you're from certain areas they'll cut it down even more it's a it's a it's a mess the, the whole thing is a mess I really think that in the long run someone is going to acquire them take them over. Uh, keep the keep the fans engaged the way they are. Maybe it'll be Spotify by Amazon instead of Amazon, whatever it is. The platform is valuable with the amount of people that are on it, but only if the people are real, Nick. Only yeah. if the people are real. <laughs> it's so, true. So you know, like what I don't I don't really know. I don't I don't see I don't see how musicians can use it. And then there's the argument, well, you know, it's a platform. If you drive people to it, you know, then then you'll make more money. And that that isn't always the case either. Like, like, you know, we like we play in bands and we run marketing campaigns and we do all those things. 
And we see how, um, you know, some of the strategies that they put in place to uh, say, take out your ad budget so that you can't compete with other people. And that, that's, that's crippling. And for instance, for reference, like what I'm talking about is if I'm running a, an ad to go into Spotify for streams. So I'm like, Hey, check out this new song, come check it out. If that landing page is followed by four advertisements in a row, no one is sticking around to listen to the beginning of your song, let alone 30 seconds of your song. Right. So that you can get that stream. So if, if they're, if they have that vice grip on everybody that doesn't allow you to even participate in the market, the market that is heavily manipulated by the big guns with the big money, they kind of get to set the bar. The bigger labels get to set the bar. Like, uh, you know, if it was true numbers, you know, maybe somebody with 50,000 actual streams would get a shot on a great placement on an, on an algorithmic playlist. But that's not the case. They set the bar high because they know that people have to compete. So they dump in one, two million dollars. So then all of a sudden to be in the top 10 of those algorithms, you need to, you need to be pumping hundreds of thousands of dollars into promotional and marketing money just to get on the same page as them. So I hope that the transparency um, opens up. They are doing good things with pitching that they're trying to take away payola. And, but I think it's all, it doesn't matter if, if the, if the algorithms are based on streams and, and uh, save rates, if they're manipulating, manipulating the system, it doesn't matter if you're not taking payola and people always ask, well, why doesn't Spotify just stop it? Why not just pull the plug and don't let them manipulate it and make it a fair market? And the, the reason why they don't is because they get paid by advertisers based on how much action's happening on their platform. So if they're constantly pumping you, pumping Spotify full of money because they think their audience is so broad, Spotify is not going to be the one that pulls the plug on the thing, the only people that are getting hurt is the artists that are now getting their already low royalty cut lower and lower and lower and lower because of manipulation. So right. I just want a fair marketplace where my dollar's worth as much as, as a major label just mm -hmm. to be able to compete and getting some attention. Right. It just, feel, it just feels like we've gotten so far in the Spotify direction as far as um, the way people have consumed music, because obviously you have things like Bandcamp Friday and you know, the, the whole Bandcamp platform, which is great, I think, for more established artists. I think it's a little bit harder for up and coming artists to say that Bandcamp or, or something like that is going to be their main platform when so many people subscribe to, to Spotify. And that's where everybody is going in terms of it's either that or they're, you know, the equivalent, whether that be Apple music or, or something like that, you know, Amazon music it, it, streaming in general is always going to be that, that easier Avenue because of the price and because of, of the ease of access but not necessarily, you know, the best place for artists in general, because, you know, we've talked before about, you know, more artists, you know, I know, I think Big Rec, uh, Ian Thornley and Big Rec just launched and uh, they're on Patreon, right? And so mm -hmm. they're realizing the value, especially, you know, when they can't get on the road of getting their fans uh, into that subscription model, which is yeah. solely based on them. And it seems like that might be an option too, because if bands, if bands want to get outside of that Spotify ecosphere, they can maybe, you know, start to establish their own Patreons, which is going to be more direct to fans and fans can support bands in Absolutely. a more direct way um, on a continual basis, because 
it might not, not even that individual record sale, whether that, you know, if it's not a stream, even that individual sale of an LP or a CD or a digital download or something like that, that's still not a lasting purchase. And then, you know, still in 2021, even if you're not going to use Spotify, you still have to keep fans on the drip a little bit, I think, right? You Absolutely. still have to, you have to keep them engaged on a continual basis. As much as I hate the, you know, that the founder of Spotify was talking about how, you know, uh, artists need to put out music more, more frequently than just a couple of, you know, every couple of years. And I agree that, you know, I personally, as a music yeah. fan, I would love bands to just, you know, my favorite bands to keep putting out new music on a continual basis, but it can't be in service of, you know, this machine yeah. that is not yeah. rewarding you. It needs to be in service of your fan base and the people that are going to uh, be there for your music long-term. Yeah, I think I think the biggest thing that anybody, any artist or any band or anything can do right now based on this thing is stop caring about the numbers for that, like for streaming and stuff. Stop right. caring. Get your music in front of somebody. Give them your music. Get get their contact and build it one brick at a time, one person at a time. You don't need 200 million fans to be a working artist and to make money. If you can get your your numbers to 10,000 people that care about the shit you do and that you know when you release a new piece of merch or a new song or a new video, they're going to share it. They're going to check it out. They're going to it. That's all you need. It really, truly is. Like if you can have 10, 10, uh, 10 cities that you can fill theaters, that's your tour, man. Like it doesn't you don't have to be in Indonesia now or in Australia or Japan. Like find your market, get in front of them gain their gain their trust and their loyalty way better i'd rather have 10,000 people that do everything i ask than <laughs> 200 million people that right. listen to my song once and never like who who are you like so yeah it's crazy it's a it's a really messed up system though yeah yeah for sure it's all over the place but uh we'll continue to monitor the situation yeah. as more you know more to, yeah more to come uh less money to come from spotify more transparency absolutely. and less uh less profits for for artists yeah. in general um so those are our three opening act topics for for the night uh for the podcast you know i was thinking like if you're actually at a show three headliners you'd probably be pretty tired but you know what be rocking out <laughs> it's yeah, like I, when, I, I when's the headliner coming up yeah, it's like, what's going on here? Uh, so let's get to this week's headliner topic. And uh, and this one is, is a big one, especially when it comes to rock music. Chevelle just re- released their um, their new album. It's called, I, I I always get it wrong, or I think I'm going to say, say it wrong. It's called Naratias. And it's not actually, I said in my rock album review on the YouTube channel, um, that it's not actually some epic album name, like, it, you know, like a Lord of the Rings thing or something. It's actually an acronym for nothing is real and this is a simulation so that's what mm. the album is called uh it's very their, music it's their ninth studio record it's very cool uh, i listened to it i did a review on the channel um fantastic record like dave you're a chevelle fan you know exactly you know they they do what they do so well um and this album definitely has some um some really great tracks on it but uh but the singer of the band pete loafler was saying that uh, despite their nine studio albums. They've been around for, for 20 years, at least they've sold 6 million units. They said that they've hardly made any money in their career, uh, mostly due to signing bad contracts earlier in their career, major labels, you know, taking the majority of the profits from these kind of bogus record deals. Um, And I kind of found it hard to believe because, you know, these guys have made it, you know, obviously this might be outside of their touring career because obviously they've, they've made some cash 
on the road, but I found it kind of hard to believe that they didn't make any money or they still don't, uh, you know, obviously record deals are, are a big part of that, but what, what did you make of this whole situation of them uh, saying they didn't really make any money off their, off their records? Uh, personally, it's the same old story, really, isn't it? Like there's, <laughs> it's a band that you expect to be like in, in the last 20 years, um, like even in our, in our country, in Canada and in our network of, of bands and stuff, we know guys that are playing drums at Madison Square Garden and then the next night are peeling potatoes at a restaurant mm-hmm. down in the village. That happens all the time. So uh, this band in particular, though, like a band that we're both fans of and have followed for 20 years. And they're um, like a they, big American rock band. Like these guys are big not American uh, rock band. Like these are potatoes. these are bands that these are bands that while we're making music, we're looking at the traction they're getting and what you know, where are they going? Who are they playing with? What's you know what? How many records are they selling? Like those are things that we're we're watching all the time. And uh, it was yeah, it's shocking, man. But you know the I think it's more more apparent now than ever that you know being with a major label and. Um, having having those resources at your disposal sometimes gets you in deeper than you thought you would be. And let's be honest, like we we know what happened here. They you get an advance to make a record. They give you a, a couple hundred thousand dollars. You split it up between the guys. You pay for some recording time. You buy some new gear. That money goes away, but that money's all recoupable. So you're paying that back. You're not seeing any album sale money until that's all paid back. Same with tour support. To, to be a band at that level and be on the road and be playing festival after festival around the world, uh, you don't you don't just jump into that role. You have to be you have to be molded into that situation in your career. So when you're doing that, you need a lot of financial backing, you know. And and the record label's a bank. That's all they're doing. They're banking you with the hopes that their investment will pay off bigger for them than it does for you, really, because you're 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 a dime a dozen. And if if it doesn't work with you, it'll probably work with somebody else. So, you know, they view it as you're lucky we're even we're giving you, you know, we're opening our pockets for you. And bands see it as it's a payday, but it's really not because you have to pay back the money anyways. So you, you know, you sign a, you know, a five record deal where you're getting a hundred grand a record to do it. And by the third record, you realize you should be getting three million dollars a record to do it and but you're not maybe you're not turning over enough records for them to think that's just to give you that next advance at that level yeah. it's i i get it man like it's not it, it's surprising because it's a band that we both love and respect and w- would look up to as like wow that's a great you know great live rock band but in the world of music you know but that being said it, they didn't they haven't not made money you know they're a touring act they're one right. of the the biggest um hard rock acts of the last 20 years really so you know it's they do get to make that live revenue they do make merchandise revenue but you better believe that the labels have a hand in all all of it especially any contracts in the last 10 15 years they're they're not getting everything but you know you you uh you make your sacrifices you know you sign the deal with the devil who knows what's gonna happen man you'd end up selling 60 million or 6 million records and not seeing a penny No, it's true. And well, the fact that they've been able to make nine records uh, is is a pretty cool feat. You know, the fact that they've managed to sustain their career. um, I don't know whether they, you know, 
in terms of their trajectory as a band, I know they kind of hit it big in the early 2000s uh, with the Wonder What's Next album. That was their big, you know, with the Red and Send the Pain Below and those tracks. And, um, you know, the, uh, they've still maintained their, their active rock radio status over the years. You know, I, I remember, you know, being on the air and doing, you know, and hearing, you know, Take Out the Gunman and uh, Hats Off to the Bull and songs sure. like that on, on the air. So it's, you know, they're still, they still have a presence and they're still able to make records. I think hopefully, I think that their deal might be coming to an end. So they might be able to take some more control of that situation. But uh, you yeah, know, I, I, I heard that too. I heard that too, that they, they're probably going to do their own thing. So that's, yeah. that's good for them, you know, that they finally, you know, can, you know, put out some vinyls and, and uh, you know, do it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and keep, yeah. Well, you know, now they're going into a, you know, what I guess would be their third decade or maybe their fourth decade as a band. If they, I'm not sure if they started in the late nineties or if it was, uh, if it was mostly in the two thousands, but uh, their new record is cool. Uh, you yeah. know, and, and as terms, as far as, you know, active rock goes with big riffs and big drums and the things that we enjoy, it's, it's a great record. And so uh, I, I think, you know, they have a, a good career ahead of them and hopefully they can uh, like we're saying with any of these other bands or with any band, in general artists you know trying to carve out that piece of the audience that can sustain you and it's not yeah. necessarily about you know always having things on you hope things go on an upward trajectory but uh you know as long as you have your fan base and they keep uh, they keep coming back for more and provided they can get back on the road eventually that would be that would be nice as well absolutely yeah i think um you know and something is to be said about how many artists are in this position you know, and how how important it is when bands come to your city to, you know, go see the band, buy a T-shirt and stuff, because, you know, I, it's, you know, it, we talk about it all the time, man. Like we, we get to see how the sausage is made all the time. And sometimes when you're in Oz, you don't want to look behind the curtain yeah, it's because true. it's an old fat guy that's pulling some <laughs> levers. Yeah. And in, in most of the topics today, it's just some old guy pulling some levers. So... <laughs> or pushing some buttons. So it's one of those things, man. Sometimes you don't want to see, you know, because like it's weird too, because like, you know, guys that are on on the top, you know, top 1% of bands in this country, in our country, that still sleep on their sister's couch when they come home. Or, you know, and drive a a broken down car and you'd be like, there's no that guy from that. You would never imagine in your life. But that's so It's not the... it's, it's amazing. It, it always blows my mind when you, you know, you don't know what anyone's situation is until they tell you. Yeah. So, you know, it's surprising. It's, it's disappointing. Like, obviously, the, the industry got another one. But like you said, they're, they're still young guys. Like, I think they're not even 40 yet. Like, they're still, um, you know, in the prime of writing. Like, hell, if the Stones are going to their 80s, they can have a whole other career <laughs> out of them. Like, re- realistically, if yeah, if they take control. Probably not if they don't sell, if they don't make money off any of the records within their contract. But if they take control of their shit and they, they you know, they they uh, do the grind and you know they have a they have great leverage right now. They're coming out of yeah. twenty years of major label backing and major label radio support. So you you know their their songs are going to get a, an extra look when they go to radio. You know that publicists are going to give them an extra look because they probably already written about them. So they're in a good position. And hopefully they keep going because I'd like to hear more. And that is it for our headliner this week, talking about Chevelle and uh, then not making any money off of, uh, off of their record deals. We hope they make more money in the future. Go for it guys. 
many, many happy returns. Um, and, uh, and that wraps it up for the Rock Squad podcast, our inaugural episode of the Rock Squad podcast. I can't believe we made it, Dave. Can you believe it? We finally did it, my friend. It's been months and months, maybe even years in the making. Yeah, for and, sure. Uh, we finally got a chance to to record what we talk about every day. <laughs> yeah, for sure. It's uh, it's it's been a lot of fun, and uh, yeah, we'll be back every week talking about the latest and uh, and rock news. Uh, in the meantime, where can uh, people follow you online, Dave? Uh, I'm uh, Red Coast Records on Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram. Um, also, you can check out. The Rock Squad Pod on Instagram, Twitter. Um, yeah, check out everything. And remember to go down and, and like this video, subscribe to our channel, spread the word, share the word, review it. Let's hear what you think about all these bands. What does everybody think of Greta Van Fleet? Are they, yeah. are they yeah. the second coming? Or is this just another flash fan situation where... 20 years from now, Greta Van Fleet. Ooh. <laughs> Are we gonna get we're gonna get ripped apart, Dave? They're very passionate about Greta Van Fleet on YouTube. Who knows? Uh, on 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 the internet in general, I feel like we're we're treading into very uh, very uh, dangerous waters. <laughs> <laughs> Although we already did, we've already been there, we've already done that. Um, yeah, so follow us on Rock Squad uh, Pod online, and also Dave and I are in a band. I don't know if you can tell by the background in Dave's uh, in Dave's little room there. We're in a band called Fools Union uh, here, uh, based out of Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. The Hammer, as they call it, and uh, you can check us out at FoolsUnion.com. Uh, We're working on some new music. Uh, it sounds pretty cool. I think it's going to come out. Yes, Spotify. Go to, go to Spotify. Check us out. We're we're on every yeah. platform. Go check yes. us. Out. We could use your 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 zero point zero 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 five whatever on uh, on each of those streams. So check us out. Fools Union is the name of the band, and uh, my name is uh, Nick, is Nick Sino. Yeah, and your name is. I'm Dave Marini. <laughs> and uh, what what we're gonna do? What was gonna be our sign off? We did. You mentioned it earlier, so we oh, should probably. Super easy. It's super. Okay. It's super easy. Every episode, we're gonna do this. Rock on, Nick. Rock on, Dave. All right. Cheers. We'll see you guys later. See ya.